God is good? And all the time? Wow. Did you enjoy spending time in the presence of Jesus this morning? He is holy, isn't he? He is King of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, right? That's the God we serve. He's, he's worthy of being excited about, isn't he? God is good? And all the time? If you are new here, my name is John, and I am blessed to serve as a pastor here, and typically I start my sermon when I get up here with those words, and I love hearing everyone repeat back, all the time God is good. And I hope uh, you are doing well. I hope you had a great week. You should be, um, you should congratulate yourself. You showed up on Daylight Saving Sunday, right? Woo, can we say amen for coffee or amen for whatever? I don't know. I don't know what got you up. Someone told me this morning they, their Sunday routine is to walk the dog to wake up. So I don't know. Whatever your routine is, how many of you get up later on Sunday than any other day of the week? All right, and a few of you. How many of you get up earlier on Sunday than any day of the week? Wow, most of you. That kind of surprises me. So um, how many of you get up at the same time every single day? Okay. How many of you don't have to set an alarm? It just happens. Okay. Sorry. I pray for you guys. All right. How many of you like to snooze? How many of you are married to someone who likes to snooze? How many of you hate that? Okay. All right. 30 years is going. Just set the alarm for what time you want to get up. That's what I think. All right. Let's get to our topic because I'm getting in trouble. You guys good? You guys glad to be here? Are you excited to be here? Are you awake? Are you awake? All right. Are you excited? All right. Jesus is alive, right? So that's great. The sun came up this morning. You know what this is? The sun is a reminder of every single day. God's faithfulness. His mercies are new every, what does the scripture say? Morning, right? So it's awesome to be here today. I'm excited to be here. We're going to get to talk about money. We're going to talk about money. Well, you just never know. You know, I, I say this often. My dad always said people get funny when you talk about money. And it's true. I've learned a long time ago, maybe not a long time ago, a few years ago, I learned, you know, when I was young in ministry and first uh, as a pastor and talking about money always made me feel funny. Like I always felt like I, I didn't want to talk about it because everybody's going to not like it and all that stuff. And you know what I came to the realization of? The people that don't like church talking about money are the people that don't give money anyways. Right? So, I mean, you're going to, anyways, you can take that however you want. But more than money, the reason it's so important and, and and so uh, Jesus spent more time talking about it than really any other subject. Because what I believe Jesus understood and what I believe Jesus meant by this is that if, if God has your money, then, then God has you. And if he doesn't have your money, well, he doesn't have all of you. Right? That's what he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so last week, Pastor Ed Holland started us in this series called Material 
world. Now, how many of you, when you, you see the title Material World, you automatically think of a song that starts with material? Anybody? All right. Oh, you, would you like me to sing it for you? All right. That ain't going to happen. I mean, I couldn't, for one. I don't know the words. Um, material world. We live in a material world, don't we? Like, you can't go very um, long without having some kind of ad for something you didn't know you needed, right? And when you see that you need it, you got to have it, right? Right? You guys got to, let's be honest, right? Don't just come here like, oh, here we go again. It's the truth, right? It's not, it's just reality. How many of you, will, let's, be, let's be really honest. How many of you will admit you're a selfish person? Okay. How many of you admit you're a liar? Those of you that didn't, raise your hand. No. <laughs> right? We're all selfish. How many of you would say you're greedy? I'm greedy. Right? It's, it's a constant battle for me. I, if I stay away from watching TV or Facebook ads or I'm cheap so I don't pay for Spotify, so every so, you know, 30 minutes I get commercials on Spotify. And, and if I stay away from those things, I'm pretty content where I'm at. But when I, you know, when my wife drags me to the stores, then I realize, man, there's all this stuff I need. M material world. But it goes beyond stuff. It goes beyond money. Last week, Pastor Ed Holland taught us about really the foundational piece of if I'm going to conquer materialism, if I'm going to handle So what we want you to do in this series, we want you to think, how does God want me to manage my money? How does God want me to manage my resources? It goes beyond money, right? It's our, often we would say time, our talents, and our treasures. How does God want me to manage that? And really the foundational piece is to realize what the word we looked at last week was divine ownership. Let me give you a quote from the book. There's, there's a book out in the foyer called Not My Stuff, all right? Ed Holland wrote this, preached a little bit through this last week. We're kind of pulling some principles from this book the next few weeks. Uh, you can buy a copy out there after the service. Um, if you want a free copy because you don't have 10 bucks, just take a free copy, all right? It's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we're okay with that. Maybe you can pay next month, right? Just, we want to, it's a resource. We want to help you. But, but this is a quote from that book. Divine ownership is an absolute truth acknowledging that God the creator of all is also the owner of all. God owns everything. Not just the money, right? The time, our talents, our treasure. God has entrusted us with these resources. God has entrusted us with a life. God has entrusted us with talents. And God is the owner. We are simply managers and stewards of all that God has given to us. And when I acknowledge that, that's the foundational piece. If you don't get that right, you're not, you're not going to get the rest of it right. But if you acknowledge that God is in control, that's what 1 Chronicles 29, 11 says. I adore you as a being in control of all things. Riches and honor come from you alone. It is by your hand that men are made great and given power. And it is such a foundational piece that in my life, for probably about the last 25 years, if you were to go back and look at all of my journals over the last 25 years, 
Most every day, I'm going to write that statement on the top of the page. I adore you as being in control of all things. Riches and honor come from you alone. It is by your hand that men are made great and given power. Because it's a reminder every single day that I need that God is in control. My life is not my own. My money is not my money. My time is not my time. My resources are not my resources. Divine ownership is the foundational piece of everything we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. So we want you to learn how to manage your money. Like to have a plan, right? To not have a plan is to plan to fail, right? Know what they often say about, it's been over 15 years ago, I went through a, a class called Financial Peace University. How many of you have been through that class? Okay, well, look around. There's quite a few of us. And in fact, I facilitated that class for several years here at Hallmark. Then uh, Pastor Matt started facilitating that class, Financial Peace. And we're going to launch that back uh, at the end of the month, all right, March 29th. If you would like to take Financial Peace, you can go online. You can register. All the information is on the website. Uh, but this is a great, in, in fact, when we started taking this class uh, 15, 20 years ago, we were in debt. Okay, we were the typical American family with two kids and maybe two credit cards and, you know, just debt. And we took that class, learned some things, and the principles that we have learned 15, 17 years ago, whenever that was, we still abide by them. You will learn how to manage your money. Because if you don't learn how to manage your money, your, man, your money will manage you, Right? Now, today, our title of our, our message, before we show the slide, I want to see if you can finish this slogan. Probably, if you're younger than me, you won't be able to, all right? Because this slogan came out in 1987, right? American Express. And so we'll see if you can finish the statement. Membership has its privileges, all right? All right? How many of you younger than me had no idea what we were talking about, right? All right, how many of you younger than me actually guessed it? You knew, okay? Membership has its, what is it? Privileges. And, and again, buying into, well, if you have this credit card, your life is going to be so good. Material world. I want us to think from a different perspective today. Membership doesn't have its privileges. I want us to, to, to reframe that relationship has its privileges. So turn with me to, to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. We're starting in verse number 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the, I love this verse, verse number four, Galatians chapter four, verse four. But when the fullness of time had come. In other words, when, when the plan was fulfilled, when it was the time for Jesus to come at the right appointed time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. You might circle that word, sons. Then verse number six, and because you are, what is the word? Sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, 
You are no longer a slave, but a, what is it? A son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Adoption. It's powerful imagery that Paul wants us to understand. You're no longer a slave as a father of Christ. You are a son. Adopted. He uses these terms in Romans chapter 8. He also used it again in Ephesians chapter 1. And what does this mean for us? I want to talk for a moment about adoption because, you know, when I was, um, let's see, one month after turning 12 years of age, so September 1985, my parents came home one day and they asked me and my older sister, my twin brother, they said, hey, we are going to adopt a child are you okay with that? And I was 12. I didn't really know what that meant, nor did I really care, if we're going to be honest. Okay, when's this going to happen? Tomorrow. Oh, okay. And my parents adopted my little sister, Amy. Immediately, my life changed, and immediately I understood what adoption was, right? That baby cries a lot. But typically in our culture, that's, what, that's the picture we get when we think of adoption. Like a, a newborn or a child or someone in a p- potentially a terrible situation adopted into potentially a much better situation. That's, that's the picture we get. And when we think about this text, we think about those who are not followers of Jesus are orphans or slaves Those who are followers of Jesus have been adopted into the family of God. And and when you think of that Western culture mindset of adoption, it's it's pretty powerful. But the audience in which Paul was writing to would not have been thinking of adoption like we think of adoption. It would be, and I want to just explain it as quickly as I can because it gives much more depth to the understanding of what does it mean for me, for you, to be adopted in the family of God. You realize that God has created all of us. Do you agree with that? Also, you have to understand, not everyone is a child of God. Everyone is created by God, but not everyone is a child of God. That you have to be adopted into the family. And in this culture, the only ones that would be adopted would be men, which is why you see sons, sons, sons. Another word would be sonship. It would be males, and it would be adult males. It would not be, you know, the little child, two days old, brought home to mom and dad, a new adopted family. It would be an adult male. And there'd be two reasons, really, that there would be an adoption take place. Most often, the adopted or adopting family would be a family of much means and wealth. And they would maybe not have an heir to give all of their stuff to when they die. No sons no heir. So they would adopt a son or they may have adult male sons and their adult male sons are morons, right? And they don't want to give the inheritance to their adult male children. So they would adopt. Did you know that nine of the Caesars of Rome were adopted? All right. You didn't know that, did you? But listen to this. Four results of adoption in that context. They would get a new father. They would be heir of everything the father owns. 
the son who was adopted, all his previous debts would be erased. And there would have to be a purchase price for the adopted. A price would have to be paid. So for a family of not much wealth, they would love for their son to be adopted into a family who has much wealth because they would be a price. Let's dig into this a little deeper. Look at Romans chapter 8, just a few pages back. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, it's interesting that in this culture, when this would take place, that oftentimes there would be a big ceremony of this adoption, of this adult male being adopted as an heir of this person's wealth. And there would often be seven witnesses required. And the reason there would be witnesses required, because as you would know, when the father passes away, when the biological kids, sons, there's going to be like a contest, right? So we, we, we're the rightful heirs. But then the seven witnesses would say, no, the adopted son is now the heir, not you. Well, let's think about this. Look at the verse we just stopped on in Romans Verse 16, the spirit himself bears, what's the word? Witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Interesting, in Isaiah chapter 11, we talk about the Holy Spirit, that there is the seven features or sevenfold spirit of God mentioned. And the sevenfold spirit of God bears witness of my sonship. That's what Paul talked about in Ephesians when he said that when you receive Christ, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That the Spirit bears witness that No, John, he has been adopted. He is an heir of God. He is a child of God. What brings much more depth to the understanding of not everyone's a child of God, but you can be. So how could could you be adopted? Because this is really important, right? That not everyone is a child of God, but children of God, sons of God are Heirs of the, of the kingdom of God, joint heirs with Christ. So how can you be adopted? John chapter 1, verse 12, it makes it pretty simple. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Well, who's the his he's speaking of? It's Jesus. What John tells us is we see this all throughout the New Testament. That if we will place our faith in Jesus for our salvation, for forgiveness of sins, for our home in heaven, for redemption, for restoration, God will adopt us into his family. How many of you have been adopted into the family of God? I got adopted in 1991. I was 17 years old. I had just graduated from high school. Spent a week at a horrible camp. 
in Brownwood, Texas. And about, I don't know, one or two in the morning, I couldn't sleep. And I woke up my student pastor and said, I need Jesus. And when I prayed that moment to ask God to forgive my sins, to save me, you know what? Adopted. Adopted. Do you know in, in the Roman culture that a father could disown their son for really any reason. In Roman culture, a father could have their son killed for about any reason. But did you know in Roman culture that a father could not disown an adopted son? The Spirit bears witness that on June the 6th, 1991, John Haley knelt down in a, a metal bunk bed and was adopted. Have you been adopted? I want everyone to just close your eyes for a minute. We're not done. Don't get too excited. But I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Because I would be willing to say that somebody in the room has never been adopted. And if you've never been adopted by God, now's your chance. You're here for a reason today. And I believe this is the reason. If you would like to be adopted in the family of God, it's very simple. It's you asking God to adopt you. Placing your faith in Jesus. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. If you would like to do that, just pray where you're at. God, I believe Jesus died for me. I admit I'm a sinner. I confess Jesus is Lord. I ask you in this moment, right now, would you adopt me? If you prayed that to the Lord, welcome to the family. You've been adopted at 1020 on 312 2023 is your new birth date. And I want to ask as our eyes are closed, would anyone say, John, I, I prayed that. I just I was just adopted by God. At the close of the service, when we're singing, I'll be at the front. At the end of the service, I'll be in the foyer. I would love to celebrate what God has done in your life. All right, you guys can look up. You guys can look up. So we started this by saying, membership has its what? Friendship. No, relationship. Friendship has its privileges. So when we think about the material world, when we think about what God, how God wants me to manage my resources, my time, my talents, and my treasure, it always has to go back to our identity. We are sons, we are children of God. And when we build on the foundation of everything that I own, everything that I have, everything that God has blessed me with, it all belongs to him anyways. And I'm a son, I'm a child, I'm a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Adonai, Yahweh. 
Well, it changes my perspective on my resources, my time, my energy, my talents. And I realize that it is a privilege with relationship, with friendship, with sonship, there is privileges. Let me just walk through them really quick. First one. This is not an exhaustive list. It's just a few. As a son, as a child of God, there's a privilege of value. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air, for neither they sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Those of you that have been adopted in the family for many years, like me, has God ever failed you? Yes or no? No. The privilege of prayer. Hebrews chapter 4 we realize, I'm just going to skip to verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And that as a son of the king of kings, we have direct access to God. Hebrews talks about the priesthood of the believer. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been adopted in the family of God, you don't need me to pray for you. You pray you have, do you realize you have direct access to God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God Almighty, Yahweh, the existing, the self-existing one? You have access. That's a privilege of sonship. A privilege of worship. Psalm chapter 95. And again, worship is much more broad than music. But I think one of the greatest ways to worship is through music. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Well, maybe I will. It's so good. Psalm 95. It's going to be on the screen. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Oh, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hands. Today, if you will hear his voice, the privilege of value, prayer, worship, the, the next one, sharing Jesus. What a privilege it is that we are ambassadors for Christ as if he were making his appeal through us. I'm afraid that sometimes in my own life, I don't see that as a privilege. I look at that as a responsibility. But wow, it's a privilege. Because the privilege of knowing who Jesus is changes everything. The last one, privilege of giving, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We read this passage last week. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the church at Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. It's just Paul's praising this church for, for their excelling in giving. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, they gave. Beyond their ability, 
Remember, they're living in persecution. They're living in poverty. That's what verse 2 told us. Verse 4, imploring us with urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry. Like they were just imploring, let us give more. We want to do more. Give us another opportunity to give. So we urge Titus, as he began, he would also complete this grace in you as well. But let's look at verse 5. This is what we read last week. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. There's an important element that was pointed out last Sunday. To really get this, to really conquer the materialism that comes at us, I've got to, I've got to surrender everything to God. It's not just about managing my money or my time or my talents. It's about surrender. Verse 7, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in love for us. I mean, Paul is saying you've done some right. Your faith and you, you, you've shared Jesus. You're growing in knowledge of Christ. You're diligently working. You're, you're loving. He says, see that you abound in this grace also. What's well, that grace he's referencing? It's giving. Paul's challenging the church to excel in giving. But I think when we think about, specifically about money, what we see in the scripture is that our motives matter, right? It's not just about dumping money in the offering. What's the motive? Potentially in church, you've been motivated by guilt. You don't have to raise your hand. Anyone ever felt Guilty after the preacher got done talking? Thank you for not raising your hand. That, that's a, a motivation. What should our motive be? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul gives us the motive for excelling in the grace of giving. For the love of Christ compels us. Look at verse 15. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You see a privilege of sonship, of friendship, of relationship, is that I get to give. I get to share. I was trying to, to figure out, in fact, Saturday, just to be honest, Saturday night into Sunday morning, I never sleep very well. Because I'm always, God's always like putting something in my head about the sermon. Like, I've been done with that, Lord. You know, we're, we're all right. You know, like every other night of the week, I sleep so well. Sorry if you don't sleep well. I do. By the time I hit the pillow, I mean like within two minutes, I'm out. I'm sorry if that's not you, but... I'm praising God that it's me, except on Saturday. I woke up in the middle of the night just processing all this. And this is a statement that came to me in my sleep. So it may be good, it may be bad, I'm not sure. Religion states you got to give. Relationship states 
You get to give. It's a heart issue, right? So what you need in this moment to consider is when you give or if you give, do you get to give or do you got to give? Because if you feel like you got to give, you might want to check your heart. When we live in the reality that the King of Kings sent his son to hang on a cruel cross, be buried, came back to life for me. Why? So I could be adopted. It's a different perspective. I don't got to give. I get to give. Relationship has its privileges. And if you are struggling with got to or get to, I would pray the prayer David prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And see if there be any wicked way in me. I'm going to ask you to bow your head for a moment as the band comes. Again, this is not a money issue, right? This is a surrender issue. What I want you to wrestle with in the next few minutes is my life surrendered completely to the Lord. Does he have all of me or some of me? The quote we were shown last week by Billy Graham, I'm somewhat remembering it. Basically, Billy Graham said, let me examine where someone's money goes and I'll tell you who their God is. Religion, I got to do it. Relationship, I get to do it. Where do you land? God, I pray in the next few minutes that we would just personalize this, Lord. Do we give out of love or do we give out of obligation? How do we look at it, Lord? Do do we get to serve? We got to serve. Do we get to share the love of Jesus or do we got to share the love of Jesus? Do we get to be the hands and feet of Christ or do we got to be? Allow us to examine, allow your spirit to reveal, and may your word direct us personally. Where do we land? I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. And as we sing this last song of worship, if God has spoken to you in in any way this morning, I would encourage you, pray the prayer of David. Maybe this morning you just need to come down the altar and say, God, thank you for the privilege of giving. Let's worship together this morning.